Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. And now we'll go straight to our main message. There are two roads of identity. The road of Adam, the road in Christ. Literally, thousands and thousands and thousands of Christians spend 30 to 80% of the time during a week at times. And it's what causes practically every single problem walking in the road of their old identity. All right, Exodus 3, dealing with God calling Moses. And we're going to cut down the scriptures because we have to read several. He said to Moses, draw nigh, take off your shoes. I'm the God of of thy father, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And that's very important because God was revealing his identity. God was revealing his identity as the only God and the same God that he's always been. So God reveals his identity. And then the Lord said, I've surely seen in verse 7 of Exodus 3 the afflictions of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrow. I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land unto a good land and large and unto a land of flowing with milk and honey. All right? Verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee. And the key there is I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that he would wet my people dough. Now, verse 11. We won't get into that one tonight. That's, but Moses did have an impediment in his speech. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? Who am I that I should go into Pharaoh? And that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Okay? That's the question that thousands of people can't answer. And that's why many Christians who have been called to be pastors aren't. Called to Bible school don't go if they don't know who they are. Oh, they can quote the scriptures. I'm not interested in quoting scriptures. I'm interested in action. All right. Verse 12, God's answer. Certainly I will be with thee. That's enough. Now turn over to Judges 6. I can't make any steps of faith because I don't know who I am. I can't lick the drug habit somebody says because I don't know who I am. All right. Judges 6, 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto Gideon and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. What did God think of Gideon? That he was a Mighty man of valor. What did Gideon think of Gideon? Who am I? Now he's going to tell he's going to tell the Lord who he is. And Gideon said unto the Lord, O oh my Lord, if thou if the Lord be with us, why then is all this stuff befallen us? Alright. Verse fourteen. The Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, that thou shalt save Israel. From the hand of the Midianites, have I not sent thee? See, folks, this is the key. You may not be any good. You may have failed. You may be miserable. But the issue is that God sent you. Let my people go this time. All right. And he said unto him, oh, my Lord. He had this little phrase going for him. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. 
Why me? Boy, if you knew everything about me, you'd never ask me to go. And God calls the little fella the mighty man of valor, and the fella doesn't even know anything. Just like a lot of you should be, uh, scores of you should be preparing for the pastorate, preparing for the ministry. Get your little G-U-T-C and ask God and get going for God. I almost have an older call now for full-time commitment to pastor. Fella said to me, boy, the rap session you talk soft, the sermon you talk loud. And I, I'll say to him, love me, what's that to you? My business, how I preach. I'm just kidding. What do you want me to have your mood all the time and just monotone it? No, I'll I'll preach the way the Spirit of God convicts me when I... Okay. And if you don't like somebody that hollers, you don't have a very good identity of reality of Christ. He got up in the little building and... Cried out! The only time he was quiet is when his people failed and he tried to win him back with a voice that was soft... But when it, the other times he cried out. All right. Verse, uh, this is the next one I like. 15. And he said unto him, Oh my Lord, what shall I say to Israel? I could never do that. Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh. And if you think my family is poor, oh my Lord, I am the least in that family. You're a sad case, Gideon. What, what, what kind of a Bible college did you go to? Well, I'm just being transparent. I'm a nobody. And God wouldn't give up on the character. All right, Romans 7. The Romans road is coming up. Coming up tonight. If you think that's good, you wait till when he'll rain. If that thrilled your little soul just to hear that much. Now, verse 15. Everybody likes this because it always builds them up because they're always living in this chapter. I told a fellow once, he said, I'm going to candidate. What, sh- what should I preach? And I said, Romans 7 and Romans 8, when they'll hire tonight. Because everybody's always living there. They like to hear Romans 8, 1 when you get done. Okay. For that which I do, I allow not. For that I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that do I. Nice going. Three years with Jesus in Arabia. Greatest apostle ever lived. Having a few problems implementing Paul. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, say this with me. It is no more I that do it. Now you tell me if that makes sense. I mean, the fellow's doing wrong, but it's no more I that do it. Oh no, you'd make, you know, this crowd wouldn't like counsel you. Because Paul, that's denial. Ah. Okay, folks, verse 18. For I know that is in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Absolutely right, Paul. Never did. For to will is present with me, but how to perform it, that which is, which is good I find not. This guy even tried to will to be good. We always talk about this in the matter of a choice. Well, he, he said, well, I've made the choice, but it doesn't work. Verse 19. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Notice, folks, he's even getting into evil now. It's <laughs> not just personal sin, he's getting into evil. That's something that he's taken him over from the other kingdom. Remember, he's an apostle. Now, verse, uh, verse 20. Are we going to reemphasize something and reinforce it, Paul? What is it? Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it. 
I want to ask you a question. Isn't that denial? Come on, some of you folks don't hear this teaching often enough. Isn't that denial? He's doing things wrong, and he says when he does it, it's not him. That's a good way to go to court. You would say, did you do this? Wasn't on Saturday, April 6th, weren't you at that store? Didn't you do this? He says, there's no more I to do it. That wouldn't go well in the, in the judicial system, would it? Thank God it's, it's a different system up in heaven where the supreme judge operates in grace. Okay, I find the law that that which I, when I would do good, evil is present with me. Verse 24, wretched man that I am. Who is he? Wretched man. Would he accept that as his identity? I want to speak on a God-given new identity as a gift of grace, which is sealed, settled, and fixed forever in the heart of the omniscience, and omnipotence, and omnipresence of God. Here is a tremendous thing that we constantly face. Simply, who we are. There are many strangers' voices that tell us different things. There's the reality of what we've done in the past. There is the reality of what people have said about us. There's a reality of the projections from the atmosphere. There's a reality of how our parents trained us and some of the things that were said to us. All of these things have developed an amazing identification with certain things in life. Because they go deeply within our subconscious and unconscious mind, which is 90% of our mind, they become a very prominent thing as they try to overrule the objective, conscious, voluntary mind, which we live in constantly through the objectivity of reality. What happens? Moses said, in no way can I represent you, God. First of all, I can't represent you because I've committed a murder in the past. Secondly, I've been to behind the desert for 40 long years because I didn't want to face my call. And I didn't want to face Israel that knew I killed the Egyptian and so did Pharaoh know it. And I didn't want to face that. So I stayed behind the desert for 40 years. For 40 years, I have had an identity where I didn't want to be used of God because of my past failures and because of what people knew about me. And God gives him the burning bush, tells him to take off his shoes. That means take off his evaluation of his walk. He's standing on holy ground, and holy ground means called out unto grace. That's all holy ground can ever mean. Think it over. The bush was not consumed, even though it was an old bush. And God was saying to Moses, you're a lot like that old bush. You've had an identity as being wretched. You've had an identity as being a person who wasn't worthy because you failed. And I'm using that old bush that is not consumed by fire, even though it should go up immediately, to show you that when I get through with you, Moses, you won't burn out, and nobody can consume you with your call. 
but Lord, who am I? And the Lord said, the issue, Moses, is this. First, I've called you. Secondly, I'm sending you. Thirdly, I'm going with you. Now think of that for just a moment. First, I've called you. Secondly, I'm going to go with you. I've sent you, and I'm going to go with you. And folks, it's that identification that we make pertaining to our call. It isn't anything about our abilities. It isn't anything about our failures. Hear me, please. Is God the God of all grace? 1 Peter 5.10 Is he the God of love? Is he the God of mercy? Is he? Does my faith make me righteous forever in him? The issue isn't, are you good at this, are you good at that? The issue is not your weaknesses, because Moses had the worst temper in the Old Testament prior to his deliverance. He got so angry, he killed a man. And you've never murdered anyone yet except in your mind. Now watch it carefully. Exodus 3.14 When Moses said, Who am I and who shall I say sent me? He said, Tell them the great I am sent you. So many, many times we identify with our weakness and remain weak. It seems like the things that we do, we shouldn't do. And that's in the present tense continually for him. And he was an apostle that had been taught by Jesus for three years in Arabia. He knew positional truth, folks. He gave it perfectly in Romans 6. He didn't lack theological finished work understanding. And he put it into practice. And subjectively, his self-righteous life, which didn't equal to God now that he knew Christ, came at him with tremendous conviction. He didn't say the thing I'm doing I shouldn't do. He said the things. He said the things that I should do, I don't do them. And the things that I'm doing, I should not be doing. He said things. At that moment, Paul's identity was with Romans 7. But as he would confess he was doing wrong, as he would confess that he was a wretched man, twice he said, and I know that he said it in compassion, I know that he said it with great conviction, but if I do do these things, this great mystery of God's grace, this great mystery of forgiveness, this great mystery of positional truth, this great mystery of the new covenant, this great mystery of what Jesus has done in our place and forest, in our hearts and before God the Father. He said, if I do it, it is no more I, and that was the most precious, beautiful, sacred, Wonderful confession in the midst of failure. Now, there are those that would say that is practicing antinomianism. They would say that is practicing lasciviousness. They would get up and preach a sermon, be careful about grace. May I say this? It's impossible to be careful about grace. So don't teach that kind of stuff. If you're not saved, you can practice antinomianism. But if you are saved, there's no way 
There's no way that you can exhaust grace even if you go home early. Take that one and think it over. You just go home early and go to heaven ahead of time, look, suffer lost rewards, but you don't exhaust grace because it's unsearchable and inexhaustible. I want you to see this tonight. Moses identified with his past failures and he didn't feel that he could be used of God. Gideon identified with the negative circumstances that were taking place in his life. And he said, if I had the identity that you say I have, you call me a mighty man of the Well, I don't think that at all. And if I was, you wouldn't do these things to me that you've been doing. And he said, furthermore, I want to tell you some more things about me, why I can't go, why you're not going to use me. He said, I want to tell you this, that I came from a poverty-stricken family, and I was shot. And I was weak, and I was the worst one in the family. And God says, that does not matter, mighty man of valor. He said, can't you understand what I communicated to Moses? I am calling you. And it isn't a call that you're worthy to have, neither were you worthy to receive me. I am calling you as the God of all grace. Number two, I, the God of all grace, am sending you. Number three, I, the God of all grace, am going with you. And I, the God of all grace, will do it and not forsake you. And I'm not depending upon what you think. I'm depending upon what you do to respond to grace. Job said in 3.25, the things that I fear have come to pass. He identified with fear. His identity was one of fear. The psalmist said, you fear when there is no fear. Job had a fear. Some of you have a fear that if you go to Bible school, you won't make it. If you take a, a local church, you're not good enough. Where are you getting that? It's you, you have an identity in the wrong road. Your identity is in Adam. But your theology is in Christ. Very confusing. A young lady's molested. And for years and years, at the age of eight to the age of 32, she feels unclean. She gets saved and goes to church and hears the gospel and goes city, but she's still unclean. She has good theology, but a terrible self-image because she was molested several times. And on the phone, we talked and talked and talked, and that night she slept. Is she free today? Completely free? She said she's completely free. What happened? She changed her identity. She had a brand new identity given to her by gift of grace. It was settled. It was sealed. It was fixed forever. Adjust always to that new identity. Live in that new identity. Nourish that new identity. Confess that new identity. And do not let your sin change you. It is no more you. I'm not suggesting we continue in sin. I'm suggesting we live in a new identity when we do sin. And that new identity through the power of God will keep us from sinning and will rebound when we do. Do you understand what I'm saying? She realized that God had given her 
a brand new identity. It was a gift of grace. It was the way he saw her in Christ. He saw her in the finished work. He saw her in cleansing. He saw her in total purity. He saw her as clean. He saw her as new, a new creature. And when she accepted what God said about it, she realized it was sealed and settled and fixed forever in the mind of omniscience, in the presence of omnipresence, and before omnipotence, through the veracity of divine integrity. You see, Jesus died for us while we're yet sinners, so don't accuse me if I love somebody while they're off. I think the scripture says to know no man after the flesh in 2 Corinthians 5.16. I think the scriptures say the love of Christ motivates us. If one died, we're all dead. That we should not henceforth live unto ourselves but unto God. But this next part is so vital. Who raised Jesus from the dead and we were with him when he was raised. Therefore, we know no man after the flesh. Now listen. Before life, brings you into identity crises, get into this life of Christ and believe it. It's not you. And don't just quote it. It's not you, but it is Christ. You say, but I failed just last week. Confess it and get into your new identity through the power of the Word and through the grace and love of God. You are not your sin. If you sin, it is no longer you. You're under grace, so sin cannot have dominion over you. And that's the final application of those phrases I just gave I called you, and I'm with you. And can't you get it straight, Moses? I, can't you get it straight that this whole thing is great? This whole thing is grace. Can't you understand it? Of course you're not worthy. But it's grace, and grace will build you up in faith through the Word of God and one of these days, you'll live in your new identity, and then you'll be a strong man, and all your weaknesses you had will become your strength through that new identity. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com I, uh, sometimes we don't know who we are. Right? We would agree with that. Maybe the saddest thing for a pastor is to see people quit the race just to see people stop running the race. To me, because I know that if they just make it through, they'll be all right. <laughs> and I hate to see it. It saddens my heart. I can't get interfere with it. They're free will volitional, free volitional choices. You have to let them do what they got to do. But probably that's the saddest thing for me, that they would quit the race. <laughs> And uh, the other thing that's maybe the saddest thing for me is that they would assess their own value based on their own understanding and be, a, and be separate from the Word of God, to be abstract almost, and maybe familiar, maybe familiar with God and the Spirit of God and the body of Christ.
And maybe the third thing <laughs> is that they would judge another believer. First, they'd judge themselves, and then they would judge another believer. In the church or outside the church, in another body. Oh, these things have always saddened me. And I think it's because God made me this way. But I also think it's because some of us need, all of us need this, but some of us maybe need it more than others to hear the voice of God. It's an interesting thing. Wheat and tears. They will be among us. They were among us, but they were not of us. It's okay. It's not our business. It's not even no one's business really in a church. <laughs> it's only the fathers able to separate them in the last day. It's never been our business. And the Bible says, Oh, no man anything but God. That includes the one you're looking at in the mirror. Right? To be able to think in thoughts of redemption based on the Word of God. And there must have been ten calls this week. Ten people who are basically wanting to quit. The battle is on. So what? I am not going to quit. I have nothing to go to. I have nowhere to go and I don't want to go anywhere. I am constrained by the love of God. Nowhere to go. So, what is it to be about our Father's business? To have the love of God shed abroad. His request was that we would, He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by the Spirit in the inner man. Too many Christians are trying to get the outer man to be conformed. The outer man has been crucified. The inner man is the only one that can be trusted and the only one who can be strengthened by the Spirit of God. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com Two really beautiful portions about self-image, about identity there. Wasn't that, wasn't that last portion sweet? I think every person at some point in their life has thought, oh, if only I could start over. Maybe somewhere where no one knows me and I don't know anyone and I can just begin anew with no past and no no one coming up behind me, no skeletons in my closet. Really, that's what that's what we're offered, a new identity in Christ, a new start, a fresh start. In 1 John 1, 9, it talks about confessing our sins, God's faithful and just, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. A little paraphrase there, but... And what does that mean, to be cleansed of all unrighteousness? There's a new start, a new beginning. We're, we're made new in Jesus Christ. And not just once, but um, though it does happen once, we're, we're born again and, and given that new identity. But that newness doesn't just happen and then become old again but it's a it's a renewed newness <laughs> that we're forever new in Christ we're not just made new 
and then have an opportunity for that to go away. But we're made new and and we can be renewed again and again. And then every day becomes a fresh start. Uh, there is a way to enter into this newness of life. And it's through a door. That door is the person of Jesus Christ. He is the hope of a new beginning for every man, woman, child, whoever you are, no matter how old, no matter how young. There's a newness that can be found in Jesus Christ that can be found nowhere else. It is a newness, a cleansing that's done from heaven that gives us a new name. We're written in God's book the moment we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What he's done on our behalf creates for us the opportunity of a new identity. Would you like to believe in Christ? You can, you know. You can close your eyes and pray a prayer like this. Lord Jesus, I I believe in what you've done on my behalf. Please come into my life. Make me new. Cleanse me. Seal me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a new name. If you prayed that prayer and you believe, then you're a new person. And like any new person in the world, uh, you need someone. And if you prayed that prayer, I encourage you to find a church, to pick up a Bible and begin to read it, to uh, contact us so that we can help you and send you materials and uh, guide you to a place where you'll be nurtured and you can learn and grow up into that new person that you've become and mature, strong, a tree planted by the rivers of waters. God bless you. We end this program today just thanking our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.